Please do. Well, thank you for having me back again tonight. Uh, I promised uh, Pastor David and I didn't work this out. He started talking about resolutions, and that's how I'm starting this sermon as well. Um, if you're like me, maybe you've already started thinking about what you are uh, hoping to change or do, whether it's lose weight or something else. Um, but uh, a few years ago, in a poll of 5,000 Americans, 45% of respondents said that their top goal was to live life to the fullest. Uh, after that, uh, you can imagine some of the other ones live a healthier lifestyle, lose weight, uh, spend more time with family and friends, that was 33% of the respondents, save more, spend less, and pay down debt uh, were the top five for that American poll. In the UK, uh, a bunch of similar ideas. 38% uh, of people said they wanted to exercise more, and lose weight was right underneath it, 33%. Eat more healthy, take a more active approach to health, uh, learn a new skill or hobby, spend more personal time on well-being, uh, spend more time with family and friends, 12%. 12% uh, of this group in the, in the UK said drink less alcohol, and 9% said stop smoking. Uh, both good goals. So when we look at these resolutions, as you have heard these resolutions tonight, what's the common theme that comes through all of them? As I was reading them, as I was thinking about it, I felt like all of them were about me, myself, and I. Uh, the me monster, as I call it. Um, they're all self-focused resolutions. And I wonder what would it look like if we started uh, our new year, rather than with such self-focus, if we started with a, a Christ-centered focus? What if we started at a place bigger than ourselves? Namely, that we start with God's glory and his name and his honor as our main purpose. Would we be less likely to fail if God was the center of rather than ourselves? Uh, there's something more satisfying when we can say with the Apostle Paul in Colossians 3:23, whatever we do, we work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Uh, Burke Parsons, quoting Psalm 115, he commented in a helpful article in Table Talk magazine, the whole matter of making resolutions is not just goal setting so that we might have happier lives. We are called by God to live according to his will, not our own. For Christ's sake, not our own. For it is not unto us, but unto him that all the glory be given. And so with the new year upon us, I want us to think about four questions. These are not original to me. I'm borrowing these from Donald Whitney. He's a professor of biblical spirituality at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Um, but four helpful questions that I think might help us as we think about our resolutions. The first one, what's one thing you could do this new year to increase your enjoyment of God? The second one, what are the biggest time wasters in your life? And what will you do about them this new year? If you pull out your phone and start deleting apps, I won't blame you. Which spiritual discipline, the third question, 
Which spiritual discipline do you most want to make progress, and what will you do about it? And the fourth question, what is the most helpful way that you could strengthen your local church, that you could strengthen Redeemer and the, the global church at large? At the core of these questions, I think, is the, is the word priority. How much of a priority is it going to be for us to enjoy Jesus in 2024? What time wasters take away from our priorities? Which spiritual discipline will be a priority that will help you walk with Christ? How will your gifts and your talents be prioritized for the building up of Redeemer, for the building up of the global church? Well, in our scripture passage today, we're going to see the prophet Haggai bring a message from God that speaks directly uh, to the hearts of the people in Jerusalem at that time, but also to our hearts as well. Speaking to them about their priorities or the lack thereof. And I hope these words will, will challenge us, will encourage us as well. So recall how in the years leading up to Haggai's ministry, uh, leading up to these words that he gave to the people of Judah, the people of Judah had lost all sense of their priorities. They were doing their own thing, and God was not on the forefront of their mind. And so as a result, along with the, the many sins of omission and commission, the people of God were taken into exile, into Babylon, in, in three different waves by King Nebuchadnezzar. And in that final wave in 586 BC, the temple's destroyed, Jerusalem is leveled, and, and everyone is taken away to exile. If you're wanting to read more about that, it's 2 Kings 24 and 25. But then some 50 years later, in 539 BC, the Persians are the new world power that come onto the scene. And the Persian king does an interesting thing. He sends 50,000 Judeans back to Jerusalem. And he wants them to rebuild the temple. He wants them to restart the worship of their God, of Yahweh. And his thinking, I imagine, was, was pretty selfish. If I can get these people worshiping their God and they're praying for me, then our kingdom will, will be blessed. So they begin the temple, to, they begin to rebuild the temple in 538. But it's not long that uh, opposition rises up and uh, people come against this work. Uh, if you read in Ezra, they, you can see more of what the opposition is at that time. And as a result, the people stopped building the temple, and instead focused on building their own homes. That, that standstill of, of focusing on their houses and leaving the temple lasted for 18 years, from 538 to 520. And that's where we pick up the reading of tonight's scripture, Haggai chapter 1. So if you want to turn the back of the Old Testament, it's after Zephaniah, before Zechariah, one of the, the 12 minor prophets, uh, minor not because they're important, they're very important, they're minor because they're short. Um, the book of Haggai, 
I'll be reading chapter 1, verses 1 through 15. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house, that I may take pleasure in it, and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? declares the Lord of hosts. Because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth on man and beast, and on all their labors. Then Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua the son of Jehozadak the high priest, with all the remnants of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. In the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai the messenger of the Lord spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. Let's pray. Our trying God, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. It's in your name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so after the initial introduction of this historical context in Haggai chapter 1, verse 1, God goes straight into the indictment of the people in verse 2. He says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people 
Say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. God continues the accusation in verse 4. Is it a time for you, yourselves, to dwell in your paneled houses? While this house lies in ruin, remember for 18 years the temple had been started but not completed. For 18 years the Jews had been focusing on their own homes while the temple lays in ruin. They prioritized their homes, not God's house. And not only had they built their homes, but as the translation, as the ESV says, they built paneled homes. And that Hebrew word paneled is only else found when talking about Solomon's temple and the cedar panels that were put up. So if you've ever walked into a a cedar closet or you've opened a a lane cedar box and you smelled that cedar, that's what the, the temple, that's what the palace of the king was lined with. And that's how God is describing the homes that they were building. So the Lord used that description of luxury and the comfort to focus on their comfort, to focus on how they were building for themselves, while in contrast, the temple lies desolate, unfinished, ignored, abandoned. In essence, their actions are communicating that their comfort is more important than the worship of the Lord. And so my question for us tonight, what building projects did the Lord lay on your heart in 2023 that went unfinished? Was there a person you've been meaning to disciple or to encourage, but you didn't quite get around to it? Was there a book that you wanted to read, but it got lost in the pile next to your bed? Was there a prayer focus that you lost track of? Ask the Lord in this new year to give, to help you to have, and to give careful thought to your ways. So to reprioritize your lives for God's glory. See, for the people of Judah, having a half built, not frequented temple, that was a big deal for a few reasons. One, the temple was the sign of God's presence. And so if it's not built, then it's a sign to them, it's a sign to the community that their desire to be with the Lord, to have him in their midst, was not strong, was not important. They didn't care about having God in their daily lives. And so this, the temple in Haggai's day was in ruin. And they were not building it, not focusing on it, rather getting themselves established. They needed the temple, secondly, for the people to worship properly. They couldn't sacrifice to the Lord. They couldn't atone for sin. They couldn't offer prayers. They couldn't have the instruments, nothing of their life, their, their worship was able to be present if they didn't have the temple. And third, and probably most importantly, God's honor, God's glory, was not focused. It was at stake. With the neglect of the building, they had an indifference to the glory of God. And therefore, an indifference to their relationship with God. So beginning in verse 5, then, God 
calls them out on their wrong priorities. And he gives them a command, an imperatival command. Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. He wants them to focus. What, what is the most important thing in your life? Is it to have food and drink? Is it to be warm? Is it to have money? Or is it to have your worship with your God, with your covenant God? This reminder for them is a wake-up call. For them, it's a wake-up call for us. It reminds us all that the things of life are God's to give. Again, in verse 7, God warns them and said, Give careful thought to your ways. Go get the timber and build. Build my temple so that I can be honored. And if you don't, then the truth of verse 9 becomes a reality because the expectations fall short. In verses 10 and 11, the ultimate happened then. The heavens above you, they withheld the dew. And the earth has withheld its produce. God said that he called for a drought on the land. So in essence, what happened, their misguided priorities resulted in the, the covenantal curses that we see in Deuteronomy 28. God withheld the rain. He called for a drought on everything that they did. God didn't do this because he liked inflicting pain. He's not a, a sadist. He did this as a way of reminding them of their dependence on him and not on themselves. And so if they would heed God's warning through Haggai, if they would build the temple, they would experience a change of priority, a change of heart, a change of fortune. And so for us in our society, in our church, we don't live in such an obvious cause and effect world as the people of Judah did back then. When they defected from the covenant, they knew it because the crops wouldn't grow. God wouldn't bless them. But for us today, it's not as obvious. We don't always see the consequences of our priorities and our decisions. But we can still learn from their example. Are our hearts focused on the things of God or the things of this world? We need to give careful thought to our ways. Many times the, the New Testament can shed further light on the meaning of an Old Testament passage. I was grateful David started with the Luke 12 reading. It allows my voice to not have to read it again. But David's call to worship, he focused on Jesus' reminder, Jesus' call, Jesus' similar warning as that of Haggai's. In essence, Jesus was telling them, give careful thought to your ways. Don't worry about your body, what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. Don't worry about your life, what's going to happen tomorrow or next week. Jesus shows what to reprioritize on. Seeking first God's kingdom and his righteousness. And so for Haggai, it was about prioritizing the building of the temple. For Jesus, 
It's about prioritizing the building of the kingdom of God. And so Haggai's word applies to us today. For both Haggai and Jesus are saying that we should not be so concerned about our pocketbooks, our lifestyle, our stuff, but rather work on the Lord's work. Seek first his kingdom. And the amazing thing is, and I'm sure you could give testimony to this, when we seek God first, the rest of those details he provides and takes care of. Luke aptly finishes this passage in verse 34. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Our priorities are indicative of where our hearts are. What we treasure is indicative of the state of our heart. And for those in Haggai's day, their, their hearts treasured their homes rather than God's temple. So where, where do we go from here on New Year's Eve 2023? How do we give careful thought to our ways? so to reprioritize our lives for God's glory. Well, it starts with obedience to God's word. Look back at Haggai chapter 1, verse 12. Then Zerubbabel and Joshua, with all the remnant of the people, what did they do? They obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. They obeyed the words of Haggai the prophet. They heard they obeyed. The word of the Lord caused their heart to change and caused their actions to change. And by their actions, they showed that they wanted their hearts to be aligned with God's heart, God's focus. And so they obeyed, they feared, they gave careful thought to their ways and reprioritized their lives. And so for us today, obedience, it's got such a, a nasty reputation in our culture. But obedience can be a catalyst for action, resulting in a reoriented life. Obedience starts with confession, with repentance, asking for God's mercy, asking for God's grace, asking for his help to reprioritize our lives, to obey, to act. It's asking God, as Psalm 90 verse 12 says, to teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. It means living quorum Deo, a Latin phrase that means before the face of God. As the late R.C. Sproul used to say, to live quorum Deo is to live one's entire life in the presence of God, under the authority of God, to the glory of God. So we ask the Lord, to help us to give careful thought to our day, to our upcoming week, our upcoming semester, our upcoming year. And when we do this, we realize that God and his presence will reorient our lives. Look at verse 13. What a comfort to read. Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people 
And he spoke to them the Lord's message. And what was that message? I am with you. That's what we just celebrated with Christmas, that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Today, every day. It's God that stirs our hearts to obedience. It's God who stirs our hearts to action, to reprioritization. And he is with us. And when he is with us, he then stirs us. Look back at verse 14. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and the spirit of Joshua and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And what did they do? They came and they worked on the house of the Lord. This isn't a work we do on our own. It's a work that God does in and through us. We hear the word of God, we obey it, and we act because of the Holy Spirit at work in us. So with God, it's possible. Give careful thought to our ways so that we can reprioritize our lives for his glory. So in conclusion, I come back to the four questions that I started with. And if you got frustrated with me earlier because I read too fast through them and you didn't get to write them down, you'll get a second chance. So what's one thing you could do this new year to prioritize your enjoyment of God? What are the biggest time wasters in your life that take away from your priorities? And what will you do about them in the new year? Which spiritual discipline do you most want to prioritize? And what will you do to make it happen? And how will your gifts, your talents, be prioritized for seeking God's kingdom, for building up the church here at Redeemer, for building up the global church? This new year, let's give careful thought to our ways so that we can reprioritize our lives for God's glory. Let's pray. God of grace, please stir up our hearts. Enable us to seek your kingdom first in this coming year. Help us to give careful thought to our ways, Lord. You know the worries, you know the concerns we have. You know the times where we say, but, but, and what if, what if? God, help us to put our faith and trust in you, knowing that you will take care of those buts. You will take care of those what ifs. You know our anxieties. You know our fears. Go before us in this new year, Lord, so that we might reprioritize our lives by your grace, by your spirit, to honor and glorify you, and to seek your kingdom first, so that Jesus might be known from a sea to shining sea. We ask this all in your Son's precious name. Amen.